0: and we are back to Explore Faith and Pursue Grace. I am Lee Grant, always exploring faith and trying harder every day to pursue God's grace and love for God and in love for my fellow man. And I'm joined by my own often imitated, but never duplicated partner in crime, brother Kevin Pendergrass. Kevin, how's it going, man?
1: Man, it's going good. I'm excited to talk about prayer and specifically this whole idea of viewing prayer as merely transactional and why that can be dangerous and how to change and really widen the scope of how we understand prayer.
0: Absolutely. Prayer is one of those things, and and you and I have talked about this before, prayer is one of those concepts, and it's one of those things that I have never really been very good at. Yeah. And the reason why I've never been very good at it is because my understanding of prayer has been transactional. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's exactly what we're diving into tonight. And we're talking about prayer and we we have the plan to talk about prayer from several different angles, but tonight we're talking about it from a perspective that you and I have both struggled with. Yeah. Because whenever I think about prayer It's almost as if God has been relegated to a gin or a genie in a bottle that you rub and the genie comes out and you ask that genie to grant you a wish. And then the genie grants your wish, and then we say our prayer has been answered. And we oftentimes view prayer as this transactional thing where we have something that we want or something we desire or something we need. Mm -hmm. And we go to God in prayer to ask Him and petition Him to give us this thing or to grant us this need or to take this thing away from us or to do this or do that. And sometimes that prayer is answered and we get what we want. And then other times it's not. And whenever prayer is viewed through this transactional lens, we oftentimes begin to believe that when our prayers aren't answered or we don't get the answers that we desire or the outcome that we're praying for, we begin to view prayer or or God in a different light. It begins to shake our faith. And so whenever we look at prayer predicated upon this transactional framework, we are looking at the possibility and the potential for our faith to be challenged and even destroyed on down the road when things don't go our way. So it's really important that we look at prayer in a healthy way and we understand it from a more biblical perspective, even though there is a time and a place to ask for things or for different events to transpire, things to take place, even though that's not inappropriate, oftentimes that's how prayer is relegated. And that shouldn't be the the bent that we take whenever we begin to consider what prayer is and how we should engage in it as God's people.
1: Yeah, this whole belief of transactional prayer is certainly with justification. I mean, there, there's definitely enough Bible passages that speak of transactions happening throughout prayer. I mean, you have Jesus in John 14, 13 that says, uh, I'll do whatever you ask in my name. And Jesus is, talks about how, you know, if, if you ask for for bread, we'll, we'll, if, a, if a child asks the Father for bread, would they give him a serpent? And so, there are verses out there. James 5 is another one. James 5, 17 goes back to the Old Testament to say, you know, Elijah, he prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain and it didn't rain. And then he prayed that it would and it did. And then you even have in Isaiah uh, 38, Hezekiah praying to live longer and he lived for 15 more years. And so I, I do think that there is a transactional element to prayer. But I don't think that it is the only element to prayer or even necessarily the most dominant element to prayer. And I don't know if I could necessarily prove that because, I mean, how do you prove if one element is is better than another when you have several elements within prayer? But I do think that this is something, personally speaking from experience, I can say that if you focus so much on the transactional part of prayer, you miss the, the true relationship. It's just like, yes. they're, they're, I mean, my wife and I, we have a great relationship, but the, and there are transactions that happen within our relationship, but I don't, I, I hope, I hope people wouldn't look at me and Bethany and say, they just have a transactional relationship. <laughs> transactions <laughs> happen within our relationship, but that's not, I hope the kind of relationship uh, that people would look at us and and define us by. And so this is something that I have struggled with all my life. And I do feel like my prayer life has gotten a lot better because I have just kind of learned to be okay with not having an answer for for everything when it comes to prayer. And I'll just speak from experience. When I pray, I, I do better in life. Spiritually, I do better with temptation when I pray. I do better when it comes to my work when I pray. I tend to to do easier to 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 have a easier time with bitterness and anger and and doubt and things of that nature when I pray. And so whatever one wants to say about prayer, through experience, it has been a very beneficial thing for me. But that doesn't mean that there's still not a lot of questions that I have that are unanswered because there certainly are. I mean, prayer is something that I oftentimes have a problem with and I pray about it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's and it's funny that that's the grand irony of it is whenever you have a problem with prayer, if you pray about it, oftentimes that problem will find itself beginning to resolve. And yeah. one of the conversations that I have had over and over again with a dear sister that I, I love to pieces, um, she has oftentimes opined and lamented how her prayer life is not what it should be, how she doesn't pray enough. And whenever she does pray, you know it just feels like, you know, she's just going to God just whenever she needs something. And I mean, how many times have you preached or heard it preach? I know I used to preach this. You know, how would you like it if if you, you know, were involved with somebody and the only time they ever talked to you was whenever they needed something? And I have I have had friends that are like that. I've had a friend that that I was in a band in with years ago who would only holler at me if he needed something. And I remember there was one day it, it had been about three or four years had gone by since I've talked to this guy and he calls me up one day out of the blue, just out of nowhere. Hey man, what's going on? I was like, Hey dude, it's good to hear from you. I haven't talked to you in a long time. How are things going? And we made small talk for about 30 or 40 seconds. And then he said, Hey, uh, I was wondering, do you have a, a truck? You have a truck, right? And I was like, well, yeah. He was like, well, I've got some things I need to haul off to the dump. And I said, well, okay, cool. And he's like, do you think I could use your truck? And I'm like, yeah, sure, I don't care. That's fine. And then I said, well, I have been clearing out some brush and I've been getting rid of some old plants, and my truck bed is full of branches and leaves and things like that. So, if you want to use my truck, I'm, I'm working on my house right now. It was, At the time we had a house we were remodeling and I said, it would really do me a big favor if you would go ahead and if you want to get my truck and you want to use it, you're welcome to. If you could take that and haul those limbs off for me, that would be a huge help. <laughs> and he got quiet on the phone. And he's like, well, do you think maybe you could dump those out before you bring the truck over to me? And I said, no, I don't have time to do that right now, man. I'm running on a schedule, like a tight deadline. He was like, well, I really do need the truck. And I was like, well, you're going to have to call someone else and ask him about it. Like, I'm like, unless you can haul this off for me to use the truck. Well, I, I just can't let you use it. And at that point, that's when I realized this cat has only been hollering at me when he needs something. And at that point, I lost a lot of respect for the guy. And yeah. I think we all intrinsically know that, you know, none of us want to be that guy. And whenever we are not talking to God, whenever we are not in conversation with God, because my understanding of prayer is that that's really what that is. It's an ongoing conversation with God in which we we converse with him as we would anybody else. Yeah. And and understanding that that's what prayer is and that's what prayer can be, it, it's still harder for me to engage in it, but it's getting easier. And, and like you, I find a much greater degree of peace. I find much less anxiety, even though anxiety still does arise from time to time. That's something that I've struggled with my whole life, but it is better Mm-hmm. And even then it's hard to break from this transactional perspective of prayer into a more relational perspective because it still feels like you're being that guy, or at least it does for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anytime I ask, I'm like, okay, am I just just wanting something from you again, God? And and I and I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that. I mean, even I mean, the Bible says on multiple occasions, uh, we need to ask for those things that we want. Uh, make your prayers and requests known, your supplications known in Philippians 4. Uh, I believe James, he mentions about, you know, you have not because you you ask not. And so you, there there is this element that we need to be asking. But I believe instead of just defining it through the word transactional, uh, I think just conversational, just colloquial being able to have just this familiar ordinary everyday consistent conversation with god where we're able just to talk to him about what's going on and i heard someone put it this way and i forgot who said it but i really liked it it says very they said very rarely do i uh, pray for 30 minutes uh, but bear, very rarely do I go 30 minutes without praying. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. and I and I like that because the idea is that it, when we think of prayer, you know, we even talk about prayer time, and I do, I do have prayer time um, where I, I pray. Usually, that's every morning where I say a prayer for the day and. Uh, I try to just really focus my mind and get it to where it needs to be for for how I want to treat people and and those types of things. And within that, I ask a lot of things. I mean, my mom's a cancer patient right now. I ask that he heal her. But here is where I have found something that has helped me personally: is when you are asking for those transactions. God, can you please do this? God, please do that. Can you give me this? Can I want this? Can you do this? I, you know, those things aren't wrong. I don't think we should feel guilty. Yeah, for asking, agreed. But I think we have to be careful how we measure the results of those transactional uh, type of requests because what ends up happening is, okay, let's say that my uh, my mom, you know, she ends up uh, getting cured. I-, I have to be careful and say, okay, well, I know hundred percent that God cured mom. Well, I'm going to attribute that to God, and I'm going to be thankful, but at the same time. I'm not going to say, well, I know because I asked God to do it, he did it and he did it because I asked him to do it. And, and, and therefore I know, I think we have to be careful now. I always would rather give God more glory and more credit for answering prayers and things that are going great in my life than not enough. Because I mean, at the end of the day, James 1 says every good and perfect gift comes from God. But the problem with that sometimes is we ask for something in prayer we get what we asked for, we attribute it to God, and then it turns out being a really bad thing, and then we end up blaming God for it. Though that's when the way that we're measuring the results of our transactions can be really dangerous. And so I've quit trying to measure the results of my transactions. I know that sounds kind of weird because you know I'm asking God to do things and looking back, I'm careful with how I measure that because ultimately I'll go back and say, look, you know, what happened happened and I ultimately believe that God is a God of love and that um, while I don't understand the way that everything operates, um, I'm going to continue to to ask and to pray for these things that I think are, are, the, are the best things in my life or the things that I desire because I think they are good for me or just quite frankly, they're the things that I want. And the, the same is true when it comes to when we don't get our prayers answered the way that we would like for them to be. Uh, you know, I gave the example about my mom having cancer. Okay, well, what if God healed her completely? I would thank God for that. I would say, God, thank you. But I'm just very careful with how I how I pinpoint and say, well, here's how I can measure because I just think we have to be careful with that. But you know, the same is true opposite when I pray for something and it doesn't happen. My sister died in a car wreck when she was 17 and I was 13. Um, there was a lot of people praying for her that she would survive. She she didn't. She barely made it through the night and it's very easy to fall into the trap of saying well god why did you not answer that prayer the way i wanted you to answer it? and i know the the, yeah. the answer is oh well god answered it no okay well why'd you answer it no <laughs> you know i don't yeah i mean i mean you didn't answer it the way i wanted which is an unanswered prayer for me we had a we had a youth minister one time he hated the song unanswered prayers by garth Brooks because he says god doesn't un unanswer- you know there's no no such thing as an unanswered prayer it's like The point is, God doesn't answer the prayers the way we want it to. You know, that's the point of the song. But anyway, the idea is that sometimes God, even if we say God answered it, he just gave us no. Well, that doesn't really provide any relief. We have to wonder, well, why? Did did he say no because I didn't pray hard enough? Did he say no because I didn't get enough people to pray? I mean, we have prayer warriors these days, we call them. And people will get on Facebook, oh, we need prayer warriors. Someone is sick right now, and, and, and they need all the prayers they can get. I think that's great if we realize we have to be careful with how we measure the results of those transactional type of prayers.
0: No, I think that's exactly right. And brother, you're describing exactly what I went through whenever I was 14 and my grandpa died. My grandpa was my hero. I mean, he was to this day, one of the greatest men I've ever known. And I owe a lot of who I am today to him. Because one of the benefits of being homeschooled is I got to go everywhere with him. I mean, I got to do anything. I mean, he had this, he ran a wrecker service whenever he was a younger man and he ran a garage. He was a mechanic by trade and the dude was brilliant. He had an eighth grade education. He could barely spell. But when he was 11 years old and we had a bumper or they had a bumper crop of cotton back during the depression, he took his part of what he had earned, saved it and bought a pocket watch. He took that pocket watch apart whenever he was 11 because he wanted to see how it worked, and he put it back together, and it worked perfectly. So he was a genius. My little sister has that watch to this day.
1: Wow, oh, that's cool.
0: Dude, he, he was a brilliant, brilliant man. And being homeschooled, if he went on a run in his death trap of a dump truck, I mean, there's no way that thing should have been on the road. So he took back roads (laughs) everywhere he went. If we went to get a load of gravel, I went with him. Whenever he retired, he bought a pontoon boat, he bought a truck, he bought a lake lot, and we went to the lake all the time. And being homeschooled, I could throw my books in a bag and go, or I could get ahead on my work and go with him. I mean, he was my hero. And he had developed a spinal condition that had reduced his um, function of his pelvic splenic nerves. And as a result, he was beginning to lose function and control over his bladder and his bowels. Oh, wow. And he was like, this is, I'm not going to live this way. And there was a surgery that could be done that could fix it. So he went in, he had the surgery done. The surgery was a success, but the way that he had laid down, it had cut off blood flow to his colon and his, his colon died. He went septic and it, it wasn't looking good. And 14 year old me prayed and prayed and prayed that my grandpa, that God would heal him, that he would come out of this, that he would survive. And that prayer wasn't answered or it was answered. And the answer was no, you might say. And that crushed me because he truly was my hero. He was the best example of a male role model I ever had. Yeah. And the fact that that, and, and, you know, I, I have a better idea and a better worldview now at 37 and <laughs> a more mature perspective than I did when I was 14. But at 14, I'm thinking, God, why didn't you take care of this? Why yeah. didn't, you know, wouldn't the prayer of the faithful save the sick? I mean, we have people at church praying round the clock and this is back whenever I was still Pentecostal and Pentecostals put a huge emphasis on prayer. And a lot of times, whenever you don't get the answer you're looking for, you don't get the healing you're praying for, The uh, one of the concepts that's bandied about it is, is well, you just didn't have enough faith. Mm-hmm. If you would have had more yeah. faith, well, then maybe your grandpa would have been healed. And it's like, I'm pouring my heart out to God here, and my grandpa's not surviving. He didn't make it. Yeah. So what does that mean? And then and as a result, you begin to question God. You begin to question your relationship with God. And if if I think back, that was really the starting point that led me to embrace atheism for, for that two, two and a half year span of time in which I left faith behind entirely. It was because that prayer wasn't answered in the way that I thought it should be, because that promise that if you ask, it will be granted unto you. That wasn't a promise that rang true for me at that point in my life. And so what you're saying, Saying about managing our expectations as it relates to prayer and being able to assign the appropriate degree of credit and the appropriate degree of blame in the direction that it should go, that's incredibly important.
1: Yeah. When things are going good, I'm gonna give God the the praise and glory for that. And when they're not, um, I'm not gonna blame God. And in here, here is something that I think has helped me more than anything. Prayer is not something that is tangible yeah and for for most of us, we want prayer to be tangible and we even sometimes speak of prayer as tangible. Well, God did this for me God did that, and I respect people who have that kind of conversation i I have absolutely no problem with it, assuming they can handle that. I, I think the problem becomes. When we speak that type of language, and then we're so convinced that we have this pulse on prayer that something eventually happens and we think, wait, that that doesn't correlate. God, God, you're not working the way that you were supposed to work. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And that's when we have that false expectations. We project, uh, a, a, a tangible upon prayer, when I think it's very in, it's 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 not tangible. I mean, it's just not. It's an intangible. And so, when you when you get to that point of accepting, okay, I believe in prayer, and I am going to ask because there are obviously not only transactional examples both in the Old and New Testament of prayer, but also the Bible speaks of the importance of asking. Even wisdom, James one, you have to ask for wisdom. And I do think that God is at work. And how all that plays, I don't know. I don't know how electricity works, all the details, but I do know it works. I don't deny it just because I don't understand all the intricate details. I do know when I walk over and I flip that switch, it's going to turn off and on. Yeah. And so I, I, I kind of look at prayer that way that I don't have to understand how it all works to believe it does. And in this episode, like you said, we're not really going to spend the, the whole time talking about prayer uh, as as a whole subject because there's a lot of facets. And we're going to talk about this over a period of many episodes, not in uh, not in order, but we are going to be dealing with different aspects of prayer. But I, I want to talk really briefly about where some some elements of prayer that maybe are a bit more concrete, because I'm a black and white thinker. So I do like to see the tangibles. I do like to see the results. I do like to be able to measure things. So that goes back to, in large part, we see people praising God in prayer, thanking God, and just being able to tell of how wonderful God is and, and give him the glory back in prayer. I mean, even when Jesus was teaching them how to how to pray, it, it, the focus was oftentimes on other people as well, getting our minds focused on forgiveness and not just asking God to forgive us, which is transactional, um, but you, you can't measure that I mean I can say I've been forgiven by God but there's no there's no way I can I can tangibly prove that I mean that's something that is theoretical I mean that's something that I I'm saying yes I think I've been forgiving in this in this spiritual realm because of my beliefs but what that where whether concrete ideas do come from and where I can feel like I can put more of uh, more teeth to it if you will is, praying and forgiving others because that yeah. is something that is very tangible something i have been able to hold on to in a good way and realize that when i do pray for other people i think about other people it gets me outside myself i begin to realize hey they need help sometimes when i pray for other people i end up texting that person that day yeah because i thought about them that morning and so that made me think you know i i need to probably reach out to them and so that praying actually does prompt me to action more times than it doesn't. But it's when I begin to be thankful for the things that I do have. Uh, when I begin to think of other people and what they're struggling with, God, please help this person who's sick. Well, what does that mean? Well, maybe I need to bring them a meal. Maybe I need to go by and give them a gift card and say, hey, I know you're struggling right now. I was praying for you this morning. Here's a $10 gift card to you know, just get you some fast food sometime when you're, when you're needing a quick meal. I was just thinking about you today or whatever it might be. That's where I think prayer really can become more of a tangible for us. And I know that you had something you wanted to read. And I I found that what you sent this to me, I think it was really good stuff.
0: Well, I think it's really, really good. And And we'll get to that in a minute, but I want to piggyback off what you're saying. Whenever we think about prayer, and I know for myself, I have so often relegated prayer to this transactional thing in which I have a need, I petition God for that need, and then God either grants or denies that need. It's almost like I'm going to the city to try to get a permit to put a sign on my building or to get a different color awning. And I'm, I'm going to ask for this or make this request. And then they either confirm or they deny it. You know, they either accept it or they reject it. And that is a really low view of what prayer is. And I think what you just said about prayer really nails what prayer actually is and what it should do. Because if we think about prayer in terms of our conversation with God, we're talking to God, right? Mm-hmm. We're speaking to God. Does God know what I need? before I even know what I need of course he does does God know that my grandpa is sick and that I want my grandpa to live yeah he knows that prayer is not something that God needs yeah prayer is not something it's not like God doesn't know what I need or what I want until I ask him for it that's that's not what prayer is that's not what it's for prayer isn't for God prayer is for me Prayer is to be a blessing for me. So if we think about that model prayer like Jesus gave, often called the Lord's Prayer, he says, in this manner, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, in that, oftentimes that prayer is recited verboten in different traditions and in different uh, denominations, and that's fine. But in this model prayer, I think you see Jesus giving out and delineating the general structure that the ongoing conversation of prayer should follow. In this sense, prayer gets you out of your own head and gets you focused not as much on yourself as it does on other people. Mm-hmm. Hallowed be your name, God. I respect you for who you are and for all that you have done being the creator and master of the universe and everything that there is in it. You are the supreme power and above all, above all things, you know, your kingdom come, let your kingdom and your desire manifest itself on this earth and allow me to be an agent of that manifestation you know give me what i need you know what i need and i trust that you're going to provide me what i need you know help deliver me from those times in life that are hard deliver me from the fiery darts of satan yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen but also jesus talked about praying for your enemies praying for those who who use you spitefully and who persecute you who abuse you pray for them Direct your thoughts outside of yourself and reflect on God and who he is and his majesty, but also think about others. And this gets to that article that you were talking about. I I sent this article to you. It's one that I had read years ago, and it's an article that I really appreciate. And I knew that you would appreciate it, and I knew you would enjoy it. And it's written by a man named Andrew W.K. And if you've ever heard of Andrew W.K., he's a heavy metal singer. And he's, to my knowledge, he's not a Christian. At least his body of work would incline me to believe that he's not a Christian. And Andrew W.K. has written a, a uh, column off and on for The Village Voice, which is a, a left-leaning, more liberal publication. And there was a, this article, and we'll go ahead and share this article in our show notes. It's Ask Andrew W.K. And this specific edition is Prayer is Stupid, Right. And this fellow wrote into him and he said this, I want to read this. And and it's a long article, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. But there are a couple of sections in this that I believe summarize what prayer should be. Anyway, the the reader says, hey, Andrew, thanks for doing what you do and helping people. I'm going to make this short and to the point. My older brother was diagnosed with cancer last week. My whole family is freaking out and trying to deal with the news. Everyone is trying to find different ways to help, but something my grandmother said has really got me angry. She said we should all just pray for my brother like prayer would actually save his life. Just thinking about it now makes my fists clench in frustration. We need to actively help my brother and do actual things to save him, not kneeling on the ground and mumbling superstitious nonsense. I got into a fight with my grandmother and the rest of my family about this, and now I feel worse than ever. I need to get them to see that praying and religious mumbo jumbo doesn't help. How do I explain this to them? And that's a perspective a lot of people had, and I would say that that's a pretty good summation of, of the bitterness that I felt when I was about 17 or 18 years old and my family unraveled and fell apart and my parents divorced because that's when things really began to unravel in my life was after my grandpa died. He was the glue that held our family together. And I didn't realize that until hindsight came along until many years later. And so Andrew W.K., this heavy metal singer, this artist who by all accounts probably isn't a Christian, maybe he is. I mean, maybe I'm just casting aspersions and I'm misjudging him. He says, and this is his opening paragraph. I'm only going to read a couple of sections of this. He says, I'm deeply sorry to hear about your brother's diagnosis. I'm sending you my thoughts and my heart goes out to your brother and your whole family. Guess what? That was me praying for you. I think the idea of praying is a lot less complicated and a lot more powerful and a little different than you may realize. In fact, I'll bet you're already praying all the time and just don't realize it. He says, prayer is a type of thought. It's a lot like meditation a type of very concentrated mental focus with passionate emotion directed towards a concept or situation or the lack thereof. But there's a special X-factor ingredient that makes prayer different than meditation or other types of thought. That X-factor is humility. This is the most seemingly contradictory aspect of prayer, and what many people dislike about the feeling of praying quote getting down on your knees unquote is not about lowering your power or being a weakling it's about showing respect for the size and grandeur of what we call existence it's about being humble in the presence of the vastness of life space and sensation and acknowledging our extremely limited understanding of what it all really means and that to me is incredibly powerful It's incredibly powerful. And he goes on to say this as the article goes on, and he ends it in these two paragraphs. He talks about um, concentrating your thoughts on others and what they need. Mm -hmm. And he says, I want you to pray for your brother right now as a gesture to your grandmother, who if she didn't exist, neither would you. I want you to pray right now just for the sake of challenging yourself. I want you to find a place alone and kneel down against all your stubborn tendencies telling you not to and close your eyes and think of one concentrated thought, your brother. I want you to think of your love for him, your fear of him dying, your feeling of powerlessness, your feelings of anger and frustration, your feelings of confusion. You don't need to ask to get anything. You don't need to try to fix anything. You don't need to get any answers. Just focus on every moment you've ever had with your brother. Reflect on every memory from years ago and even from just earlier today. Let the feelings wash over you. Let the feelings take you away from yourself. Let them bring you closer to him. Let yourself be overwhelmed by the unyielding and uncompromising emotion of him until you lose yourself in it. Think about him more than you've ever thought about anyone before. Think about him more deeply and with more detail than you've ever had or you've ever thought about anything. Think about how incredible it is that you have a brother, that he exists at all. Focus on him until you feel like your soul is going to burst. Tell him in your heart and soul that you love him. Feel that love pouring out of you from all sides. Then get up and go be with him and your family. And then you can tell your grandmother that you prayed for your brother. And man, it's a powerful article, but just that segment of what I read, man, it gives me chills. And here it is, this heavy metal heathen, this party god, as he's known in heavy metal circles, (laughs) you know, what we might call in my legalistic days a godless Philistine, he has a better understanding and grasp of prayer than I have and that I had for so long. And I think what he has summarizes my position on prayer. It isn't merely. Relegated to this transactional thing that we do, where we're asking God to give us this or take this away from me or heal me of this or that or whatever else. It's this ongoing conversation we have with God that gets us out of our own way, that gets us thinking about Him and thinking about others. And then, by extension, what you said earlier, how we can be a better service to those people that are our fellow image bearers in this world.
1: Yeah, for sure. It gives us the space. It gives us the clarity to be able to think. Being in the West, we really don't use meditation techniques a whole lot, although they're becoming more popular now, and I'm thankful for that uh, because we, we live in such a individualistic society, and not just individualistic society, but we also live in a society that is so fast-paced, we don't even have time to think about thinking. I mean, everything is already laid out for us from the moment we get up to the to the second we go to bed. Our brains are just always working overtime, and unfortunately, that describes uh, many people that I know. I mean, I know that there's obviously exceptions to that, but being able, prayer gives us the opportunity to to calm ourselves, to calm down, to give ourselves time to think, mental clarity, to think about other people, as you pointed out. And I think even about Jesus, how he prayed. And in Luke chapter six, verse 12, this is just one verse of many that speaks about how Jesus would would go by, himself, go by off by himself and he would pray. And this particular passage says that he spent the whole night praying. And it wasn't just a quick five minute prayer. And this is something that He did all through the night, and if it's just a list of prayer requests, and by the way, that's even growing up at church, we we would have prayer requests. I don't think that's wrong. Please do not misunderstand me. We still do that one hundred
0: percent. Yes,
1: I have a notebook of prayer requests of of for myself and for for my friends and for people who are close to me that I write down prayer requests. Nothing wrong with that, but this gets back to that conversation we talked about. You can't take the prayer request of a church and pray those all night. You may be done in five minutes, especially if your church is small. So what's happening is much more than saying, God help this person, God help this person, God help this person, God help it. That's part of it, no doubt about it, especially if that's how you pray. But it is just, as you pointed out, thinking and meditating And being able to have those conversations. And as you read in that article, focusing on that one person, that one individual for a few minutes and what that does to you emotionally. And a lot of times when I pray for people who are sick, I naturally begin to be more thankful for my own health. The fact that I don't have cancer, the fact that I don't have a broken arm or a broken foot. Um, The fact that I don't have a sickness or a disease that maybe other people are struggling with, that I'm able to do the things that I'm able to do. It takes my focus away from everything I don't have and for everything I'm not able to do and everything I wish I had to being thankful for the very things I do have that other people wish that they had. And it really just refocuses our mind. Now, once again, I think there's a supernatural element to prayer. I do. I, I do think that God is working but i think that those things are the intangibles they're the things yeah. that it, it's kind of if i could reverse everything in prayer that's kind of how i would explain it for what i mean is everything that we're talking about right now about being thankful i was taught those things don't get me wrong this isn't anything new i was taught the importance of making sure you're thanking god and praising god and thinking of other people i've always heard this this isn't like oh wow what you know what great concepts But that's not really what the focus of prayer was. The focus is on what God can do for me, what I can get out of prayer based upon my request to him. Where now I think that, yes, that's part of it. But the main point is praising God, thanking him, thinking of other people, praying about other people, being able to just refocus my mind. Because those things are the tangibles. Those things are the, you know, you can hold on to. And people may say, yeah, but Kevin, you can do that without praying. Sure you can. But I still think that it's a form of prayer. You may not be praying directly to someone you believe is God and someone who is, is, uh, came in the flesh called Jesus. You may not be praying to that God. You may not even be praying to a deity per se. But if you are thinking about that person, as the article mentions, and this guy, as you pointed out, is not a Christian, he's still praying. There's a sense in which that's still prayer. So the really the only difference between me and, and Lee and someone who doesn't pray to God is that they're still praying. They're just not directing it, perhaps, at who we're directing it at.
0: No I th- and I think that's that's a perfect description of what prayer is and the good prayer does, because like you said, we often seek that tangible response to prayer whenever really the purpose of prayer in and of itself isn't necessarily to affect change. Now, now there are passages that that speak against that idea. You know, and the the idea I think it's over there in James about you know if someone's sick among you, call for the elders of the church and yeah. you know anoint them with oil, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. And you know that seems to indicate that there is something there, but that that's a verse that needs more unpacking. And there's some context that goes there that we're not going to get into tonight. But the point is, is that even when we look at what prayer is, so often our understanding of what prayer is is this. Formal thing that we do instead of this ongoing conversation that we have. Mm-hmm. And there can be a measure of formality to it. You know, going into your closet. To pray, for example, that's something that my grandmother used to do yeah. all the time. And what that is is, it's not because there's this ritual that she needs to do; otherwise, God's not going to be happy with her. Because I, I think that's oftentimes the pose- or the uh, the position that a lot of people take is that prayer is something I need to do. If I'm not going and spending, you know, fifteen minutes or five minutes or ten minutes in my closet praying. Well, go to the closet so that you're not being distracted. Go into your closet. And Jesus's whole point about going into your closet is don't make prayer this big showy thing where you're trying to get people to think about just how spiritual you are. Yeah. You know, have mindfulness behind your prayer, have intentionality. Like you just said, you can go into your closet. No one's going to distract you. You leave your phone out on the counter, on your charger, your nightstand, wherever, and go into your closet where you're free of distraction. There's no flash bangs or, or, or like quiz bangs or any of these new little gadgets that are going to distract you from your purpose. You're able to be mindful and like we said earlier, the blessing in that is for you. Prayer isn't for God. It's for you. You become more mindful of who you are. You become more aware of where some of those blind spots are. It really helps to realign your perspective on life and who you are as a child of God.
1: No doubt. Yeah, and it does. And I think it goes back to not necessarily abandoning formality, but getting away from focusing on formality and just making whatever you do intentional. And we've had a, a, you know, good friend of both of ours now, but uh, Daniel Rogers, who we've had him on our podcast uh, for several episodes. And we've talked about, we've never talked to him about prayer on this, but I've talked to him personally about prayer. You have too. And we've discussed several, several different uh, times with him about prayer and how prayer to him is a conversation, something that he carries out throughout the day and just driving in your car, you can pray. And, you know, I wouldn't suggest that you close your eyes when you do that, but <laughs>
0: especially if you're driving, let's yeah, not but, do that. <laughs> you know,
1: but, but, but yeah, when you're driving, you know, you can still pray and it can just be, it can be, uh, prayer can also begin to have a calming effect when, you know, before you're about to do something stressful, maybe you're about to to go into a, a sales meeting, or maybe you're, it's a tough day at work and, you know, you're about to meet with your boss. And before you you do that, you just, as you're walking in, say quietly to yourself, God, please be with me. Give me strength right now. And that's it. That's your prayer. It, it, it doesn't have to be these long, and that's even what Jesus was saying. Don't, don't just see how fancy you can make your prayers. And I'm not against public prayer by any stretch of the imagination at, at church and things of that nature. But um, boy, I I personally, I'm just going to tell you, I personally don't like praying publicly. Um, I would much rather give a, a two, two hour um, speech than a, a 30 second prayer, mainly because when I'm praying, I'm kind of like, okay, I don't want this to be showy, but I also don't want to just get be all personal up here because nobody really will know about all of some of these things I'm talking about. So, you know, I'm trying to make sure I'm including everybody in it. It's kind of a tricky thing really when you're yeah. giving a, when you're giving a public prayer, but it's, it's cause the last thing I want to do is come across showy, um, anytime, but especially when I'm praying, but also I don't want to come across preacher like preaching, you know how people preach in their prayers, you know, oh, where yeah. it's like oh, yeah. they're, they're, they're preaching while they're praying, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's a very, you know, and I don't mind praying publicly. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that it's one of those things that it's it's difficult because I think prayer by and large is a very... Personal, it is communal too. I mean, you have Act, the Book of Acts, where the Bible talks about prayers, and they are praying together. No doubt about that. Um, I think that really resembles more of what we understand as chain prayers than it does just one person leading a prayer for you know two hundred people. I think that involves more like multiple people kind of praying together. But yeah. um, But anyway, the point is, is that if we can get away, as you pointed out, if we can get away from feeling like it has to have this formality to it. And we can just be very relational, very conversational, not always having these high expectations of of putting these requirements of God. Okay, I prayed, you know, God, you better do this. Why haven't you taken this away? Why? And that sometimes happens too. I mean, we, we're going to, that's okay. It's okay to struggle with God um, as long as you allow yourself to just keep struggling with God in your prayer. you know don't yeah. don't get to the point of blaming God because of your misconception or faulty expectation that you've projected on to the idea of prayer. but you know there are so many different areas that we could go into talking about prayer and that we do plan on talking about in the future. but I hope hope that this has been a good episode to start. The conversation to get the ball rolling of okay, how can we move from purely transactional to still transactional? Because I believe in in that, but making there it is more, a place
0: for it. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But making it more about more my mind, and yeah, just just kind of a a constant thing.
0: Well, I think in a, as we close, I think one thing to keep in mind, and and I appreciate what you said about moving away from the ritual, but the ritualistic perspective on prayer for a lot of people, that's how they're going to understand prayer. And that's going to be their starting place. Yeah, I know for me. I still operate within a prayerful milieu for myself whenever I do pray. There is still a measure of formality that's there because it's what I know and it's what I'm comfortable with. But I'm noticing as the years go by, my prayers are becoming less transactional and still formal, but less formal than they have been. And they're becoming more conversational. Um, I don't devote three times a day to prayer, like what yeah. Daniel did. And there's a lot of people that say, well, are you praying three times a day? And it's like, well, no, it's like the quote that you gave at the top of this episode that "There very seldom. Do I pray for 30 minutes at a time? But there's very seldom that I go 30 minutes without praying. And for me, it might be better to say there's very seldom a time I go more than three hours without praying, you know? <laughs> yeah. Prayer without ceasing. My breaks are long between when I'm in a more prayerful mindset, but, but it's changing. I mean, the formality for me is still there. My mind still constructs prayer within that formality. So I don't want people to say like you, that we are, you know, like you, you said this and I want to say it too. I just want to reiterate, we're not dogging formality at all. Yeah. We're just saying that there is a way forward beyond that and that prayer is not just relegated to the very formal or the strictly formal. It's not something you need to carve time out of your day to do. It's a good idea if you do it, but as as you develop and deepen your faith, prayer can then become less formal and more conversational, and that's a sign of a good of a good, um, evolution of your prayer life and the direction yeah. that it should go. So as we wrap this up, brother, do you have anything else you want to share? Any other comments you want to make?
1: Well, first Thessalonians five seventeen says pray without ceasing. And that within context carries the idea of just always having a prayerful mind, that your mind is always in that state where it can, it can always enter into a conversation with God. And this is a great blessing for us today, to be able to to pray this way, to be able to worship this way, because under the Jewish system, it was much more difficult. If you wanted to ask for forgiveness and it required you having to go get an animal and taking it to the priest and having them sacrifice. I mean, it was a, was a lot harder, more difficult. And so the fact that we have this opportunity where we can just open up our, our minds at any time and just uh, have that quick conversation or long conversation, with God, whether it's a easy conversation, a difficult conversation, a conversation where we're constantly struggling and asking why, whatever it might be. I think that's, that's why prayer is, is there. And what, one of the many things that it can help us do is sort things out and just bring more clarity and help us to get outside ourselves. But yeah, I think, I, I really think that this is something that's going to, um, if we, if we go this route, it's helped me. I mean, I, I and I still struggle with prayer, One of the best, though, advice that or one of the best pieces of advice that I ever received when uh, years ago, years ago, I think this was the first or second year of uh, me and and Bethany in our marriage. And she's like, well, what do you want for Christmas? You know, and I was telling her some different things. I said, I would like a good book on prayer. You know, I really want to learn how to pray. So she was doing all this research and she contacted several of my friends who were ministers at the time. And all of them pretty much said the same thing. Just start talking to God. You know, this, let's, let's not overthink this. Don't, not that prayer books aren't, aren't good and being more educated on prayer can help certainly, but it's just really, you know, if you, if you know how to talk, which you better believe I know how to talk, (laughs) um, (laughs) I don't have any problem with, with moving my lips.
0: We have plenty of evidence for that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, (laughs) you know, if you know how to talk, you know how to pray you know how to pray. If you know how to have a conversation with somebody, you know how to, you know how to pray. Um, And then start, start with that. And then as you continue, then maybe you can kind of hone in on a little bit on what you want to work more toward in your prayers, but just a conversation, just start talking to God like you would a friend.
0: Absolutely. And that's the biggest thing for me is undoing that mindset of what prayer ought to be and understanding that it's a blessing more for me than it is for God. God does not need our prayers, but we yeah. do. Yeah. And when we pray, we reap massive, massive blessings from it. And it's going to be fun to continue this conversation in another time and speak about prayer in a future episode from a different angle.
1: Yeah, um, what would you like to hear? Let us know. Email us. Yeah,
0: in. drop us a line. If you struggle with prayer, if there's a certain aspect of prayer that just doesn't make sense to you, drop us a line and we'll talk about it. And we would love to. And we certainly hope and pray literally and colloquially, that this has been a beneficial <laughs> episode for you. We thank you guys so much. We love all of you very much. Give us that five-star review on iTunes and pray for us. Keep us in your thoughts. Keep us in your prayers and continue to pray for this podcast. that It'll be a blessing to others. I know it's been a blessing to so many so far, and we hope to reach many, many more ears and be able to positively affect more lives. So thank you all so much, and we'll all see you soon.